Coming up on this episode, Lisa from The Novel Approach and Jay from Joyfully Jay are here to tell us about some of their favorite books from 2020. Welcome to episode 278 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Jeff Adams, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello and welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad you could join us for one of the very last episodes of 2020. Now, I am forever a cockeyed optimist, so I am very looking forward to the new year. But before we get down to celebrating, let's take some time to discuss some of the best literary things that have happened in the past year. And of course, we are so happy to have Lisa and Jay back with us to talk about some of the best literature of 2020, because of course, we've heard from them all year long about what they've been reading, and to wrap it all up in this nice bow at the end of the year is really awesome. They both love Christmas books like we do, so we kick off this conversation with a little bit about what one of their favorite books from this past holiday season was, and then we jump right into talking about their favorites from 2020. And we even get a little sneak peek of what they are looking forward to in 2021. Lisa and Jay, welcome back. It's wonderful to have you here as always. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's great to see you guys. Can't believe we're talking about the end of 2020 here. Could not come any sooner. I know, right? (laughs) Right here at the last Monday when this goes out. So it's almost done. Yeah. Happy to be rid of 2020. (laughs) Ah, let's hope but, 2021. Woo, let's yes, hope it's crossed. It's yes. got to be better. <laughs> and we're going to send the year out with some good book talk, of course. We're right at the end of the holiday season as we sit here between Christmas and New Year's. And I know you're a lot like us. Where you're very into the holiday books. So I want to kick off and find out what one of your favorite holiday titles was within this holiday season for anybody who still might be reading some holiday books. And... Jay, I know you are like very into holiday like we are because you have the whole section of your site around favorite holiday books. We do. We have a whole list of our favorites. And we'll link to that like we always do so that folks can reference that. What was a favorite for you this season? I do like holiday books and I always make it a personal mission to find some Hanukkah books because I'm Jewish and I celebrate Hanukkah and definitely there are far fewer Hanukkah stories every year than Christmas stories. So I was really excited this year. I found a Hanukkah book and a new to me author. It was called His for Hanukkah by Reese Morrison. And it's a daddy boy story. So the story features Adam who has recently broken up with a boyfriend and he is on leave from work for the holidays, sort of a forced leave from work. And he's very much at his wits end. He is not a person who does well without structure and having a sense of schedule and timing. And so he's sort of stressed about that. And he's also feeling some Hanukkah stress in the sense of being sort of the Jew in the midst of a Christmas holiday that he doesn't celebrate. So he decides he's going to go to his club and maybe find somebody for the night and ends up basically just having a complete meltdown from the stress and encounters Tate, who has just returned to town. They were friends before. Tate's transgender. So the last time that Adam knew him, he was identifying as a lesbian. So this is sort of the first time they're getting to know each other again. And Tate 
sort of helps calm Adam down and get him settled. And then they decide that they are going to, as you do in Romance Land, they decide that they are going to spend uh, Hanukkah together for eight nights. So over the course of the book, we see them not just having this temporary relationship, but turn it into um, something more serious. And what I really liked about it aside from just sort of a really sweet, nice sort of daddy boy dynamic, if you like that kind of story, I liked that we see vulnerability from both men. You know, Tate, because he's recently had some physical transition, is still a little bit insecure about how Adam is going to respond to him. And then Adam has a lot of anxiety and his own issues. And so I like how there was some balance there, but there also wasn't like the magic relationship cures all type thing, which sometimes you get. And... I also really liked the way that the story explores Hanukkah because I don't know how much you guys know, but Hanukkah is sort of a very minor holiday in the Jewish calendar with the exception of the fact that it happens to coincide with Christmas. And so Adam expresses a lot of feelings about sort of not celebrating the holiday that everybody else celebrates and what that's like to sort of feel the odd person out and what the you know sort of meaning of Hanukkah is for him. So I thought that was really interesting to see explored a little more depth to it than just sort of the light night sort of eight nights we're having latkes time of Hanukkah story. And I'm also super excited because if I'm reading between the lines correctly, it says this is the first book in Morrison's Traditions series, which seems to be going to hit some other Jewish holidays. So I'm super excited about that because as rare as Hanukkah is, anything other than Hanukkah is almost unheard of. So I'm super excited to see where the series goes and really liked Morrison's writing and definitely I'm looking forward to seeing what else author puts out. That's terrific. I mean, not only a Hanukkah book, because those are in such short supply, but that new author and seems to be going forward with more uh, Jewish traditions. That's incredible. Definitely going on my reading list and, and an author to follow as well. Yeah. Excellent. And also own voices author for being Jewish. So that was nice to see. Lisa, holiday book. All right. Well, I've read quite a few, several, and hands down, my favorite holiday book this season is Garrett Lee's Angel is in the City. Mm. It is a contemporary romance, two men, Jonah Gray and Sasha Ivanov takes place in London and it's a kind of a fake boyfriend starts out as a fake boyfriend. There's a sexy little meet cute when their elevator stalls and they're stuck in the elevator together. And there's some kind of semi flirty banter going on between them when Sasha agrees to, or proposes rather that he pretend to be Jonah's date boyfriend for a Christmas party that Jonah is obligated to go to. And so they go together and the chemistry is just off the charts. You know, you can just, you can kind of feel it. I think that Garrett just did an amazing job with all of the sexy flirty dialogue and just how the the characters interacted with each other. It's just the story of these two people who kind of have just have never had a committed relationship. In fact, Sasha seems to be just completely allergic to the idea of relationships at all, period, and then finds this person in Jonah who is kind and he's generous and he just is kind of like the magnet 
for Sasha and they kind of, they work. It's also an, an office romance. So if you like, if you like fake boyfriends and you like the office romance trope, they find that they are, they start sort of watching for each other, you know, <laughs> so that they, this is just to kind of keep their eye on each other without letting each of each of them know that they're watching for them. And then they start to realize, oh my God, what's going on? I'm watching for this person. Like, I can't wait to see them. And so it's just, it's a story that's not without its complications. These two guys have some things to work out individually, especially Sasha. And, and it's just, it's one of those stories that it just becomes this really beautiful, heartfelt, deeply emotional connection be- between these two men. She just, she just knocked it out of the park. She got every nuance just so perfect from the dialogue to that elusive thing we call chemistry that you don't, you know, you really can, you even explain what that is, but just the fact that when you see these two together on page and they're talking to each other and they're bantering and they're flirting and it just, she just, I I just thought it was an amazing angels in the city by Garrett Lee. I just thought it was just a really superb, it's a bi romance, just I thought it was perfect. I think she did a great job on it. So that's my pick this year. That sounds terrific. I especially like uh, the meeting in the elevator. As long as you're stuck, we might as well make a fake boyfriend relationship out of it while you're there. Well, might as well notice how well your suit fits and, you know, yeah, it just, it just really is. It's a really, it's a great story. It's got some, it's not all light and fluffy. It's got some deeply emotional things threaded through it to, to kind of, make it feel a little, you know, uh, a little more robust and a little more to sink your emotions into, but it just is really a great book. 2020 for all the, all the problems that we had in the year sure brought really good books. I mean, just reviewing my own list that I'll reveal in the next episode. It's like, well, that was really good. And that was really good. And that was really good. And that was really good. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to hearing what you two have, and especially if you overlap at all in what you're going to bring here to the show. So Jay, we'll kick it off with you. All right. Well, actually I did publish my best of list, the blog. We did our best of list the week of the 14th. So we had four different reviewers, um, including myself did a best of post and then we did our best of cover. So I'll link you to that if people want to check out um, our various annual favorites. Cause I always find it fun to see how different, even if we've read similar books, how different our lists can be. So I'll point you to that. So I'm going to pull a few off of that list and I'm trying to pick some that I didn't um, already talk about. But first one I'm going to hit is The Edge of Heaven by E.M. Lindsay. I've talked about their writing before and how much I love it. And this was a standout. What's interesting I will say is that I, the first book I read of Lindsay's was last year and Hanukkah Story. The last one of the year I read was a Hanukkah Story. And over that time, I read 15 books by E.M. Lindsay this year. So this was my year of this author for sure. And as much as I loved all of them, this story, The Edge of Heaven, was my favorite. It features what I think is the trope of the year, which is the fake relationship. I I can't even tell you how many stories I've read with this theme this year. And what I really love is that it's a very different spin and a little more nuanced, not quite as light and fluffy as the trope tends to be or often is. And in the story, Julian is his, let's see if I can get this this right, his ex 
husband is marrying his cousin. They divorced and his cousin is now, I mean, his husband has now sort of moved up to the wealthier, the wealthier cousin. And as much as Julian is over it, his mother is insisting that he come to the wedding. Nonetheless, she's really quite horrible as we see over the course of the book and he allows his friend to convince him to hire um, an escort to come along and be play his boyfriend but as it turns out sort of a drunk dialing mistake ends up um, instead with um, Archer who is in town from Paris where he is an astrophysicist and his brother is the governor and he for some reason goes along with it and sort of finds the whole idea sort of endearing. So not only is it a fake relationship in the sense that the two go off to the wedding, but Julian doesn't realize that Archer is not in fact a hired escort, but is just a random guy who agreed to come along. So there's a lot of nuance in the story, the relationship with Julian and his mother, as well as his father, who is as lovely as can be and is featured in the second book in the series that's also already out. The dynamic between the two of them, they're so sweet and lovely and wonderful. And two men who have spent a lot of time living up to other people's expectations for them or other people want from them and are finally sort of breaking free of that and moving towards what they want and the way that they love and support each other. And even though the story takes place over a very short time, the connection is just so well-written and Lindsay is so good at character development. So absolutely loved it. This is the first book in a series and the second book features, features Julian's father with Julian's best friend. So if you got tempted by the first one, the second one is equally awesome and both really great series. That sounds terrific. There's one for the TBR now. Yeah, because uh, I've been wanting to read Sammy and Lindsay anyway. So now you've just yes. completely sold me on that. Yes, if you're going to pick something to start with, this is a great choice because it's early on in the series. It's an excellent book. I mean, I could recommend almost anything, but you know, this is a good place to start if you don't want to get into a series that's already you know quite a number of books out. Well, and I love that you fell so in love with their writing too that you just wanted to read as much as you possibly could of theirs. I mean, they're very prolific authors, so quite a number of those came out this year, but I think I read at least five or six that were older books. So I sort of went back and forward, and I couldn't believe when I went back and realized I'd read 15 books. So that's quite a bit. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. Kudos to them. They hooked you. (laughs) All right. Well, I too went back through my list and decided that I wanted to pick some books that I hadn't spoken about at all yet this year. So my first is a book called White Trash Warlock by David R. Slayton. And it is an urban fantasy or it's a fantasy book about a guy, Adam Lee Binder, who is a warlock. And he kind of he kind of considers himself white trash. <laughs> and so there, that's the title. <laughs> the title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Slayton did such an amazing, this is like one of those books where you just, you finish it and you go, I just about left me speechless. I saw quite a few people, quite a few readers, and I have a very limited experience with Jim Butcher's Harry Dresden series. I did read several 
years ago, the first several books in that series, said that Adam Lee kind of reminded them a little bit of Harry Dresden. And I guess I could kind of see that in their demeanor, kind of, you know, the kind of the way they carried themselves, the way they thought about themselves. But anyway, so he is, uh, he is a warlock and the even the term warlock the author kind of puts his own little spin on it so much that when we think of warlocks we think of these you know powerful witchcraft you know and it's not necessarily a complimentary sort of a title but anyway adam lee has just about enough magic to not be skillful or powerful necessarily but but he is he lives with his aunt in a trailer park in oklahoma and he has a brother, their past is, uh, let's just say, complicated to keep it in its simplest form. They have a complicated past, and his brother has kind of just completely denounced his roots, denies his roots. He, Bobby Jack is now Robert. He's got the suburban home and the suburban wife and the child and whatnot. Bobby's, uh, Robert's uh, wife just has some troubles. Okay. And only the kind of troubles that Adam Lee could help with. And so, so Robert kind of steps through the years and tries to overcome the guilt of what he, he did to Adam Lee years ago and calls Adam and asks, can you please come and help? Well, he goes to Denver and he helps as much as he can, but there is something sinister and <laughs> magical and paranormal and powerful and and Adam's not quite sure how he's going to handle this and how he's going to save Robert's wife but he goes about doing just that and you know runs into all kinds of just fantastical creatures including his ex-boyfriend who is a he is fae and so you know you've got he is the prince of of the fae and so you've got all of this kind of tension going on between him between adam and the ex and how that kind of influences in adam's journey and how he is going to try to defeat this big evil that's hovering you know over the city so it just you know i i this was just, it was creative. It was imaginative. It was just, Adam was just all kinds of, to me, just lovable and relatable, every guy kind of hero. I, I thought that David R. Slayton just wrote the heck out of this book and I cannot wait for the next one. There is not a romantic element to the story, but there is the potential for, for a love interest for Adam Lee moving forward in Vic Martinez, who is, he was a police officer. And so it just, I just thought white, white trash warlock. I just thought it was really fun. Just a skillfully woven world building. I just thought it was just a, a great characterizations, just a, a great book. So that was a lot of fun. It sounds good. I've been on a real urban fantasy kick this year. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I mean, it's something I've always liked, but I found that I've been really gravitating towards them lately. So yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. I just, you know, it's so much fun. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I love uh, Soulbound so much mm -hmm. is, you know, you get, the, you get New York City, a city that we've all been to, and then you throw all of these, you know, magical beings and everything into it. And it's just, yeah. And I, I love it. Love it. Yeah. I'm I'm getting more and more where I think I may actually start to dabble more in there. Yeah. Um, primarily because of your recommendations, genre, but. Have you read Andrea Speed's Infected series? 
No, that's another one too. I think you've talked about here on the show that I'm that's like, a classic. I want to read that sometimes. It's a classic. It's a classic. And yeah, if you get a chance to, uh, I will warn you to gird your tear ducts for book two. <laughs> oh goodness. But Andrea Speed's Infected series is really, yeah, it, it's one that you've got to, you've got to read, especially, you know, it's Seattle and it's shifters and it's just really good. Really good. Fantastic. So for my second book, I am going to talk about Royally Screwed by Lynn Van Doren. And who some of you might know if you have read the Omegaverse books with the Dragon Shifters. She also writes under Virginia Kelly with Piper Scott. So same author, different pen name. And in Royally Screwed is an enemies to lovers, which is one of my favorite tropes. The setup is that two neighboring kingdoms. So it's sort of like real world contemporary with a slight alternative, you know, universe spin in this, these neighboring countries in Europe where the parents decided that they were going to make a marriage contract for their unborn, what they thought was son and daughter to only to find out that it turned out that they were both princes. So despite the fact that they had no sense of whether these two men would be interested in other men, they decided that they would be um, contracted to marry. And over the course of the story, it covers quite a bit of time, we see um, Yuri and Angelo growing up together, and they're definitely at odds um, in their early years, and, you know, in part because they're sort of stuck together. So they've got this sense of adversarial relationship with each other, but also this super intense bond. It almost made me think of the way siblings can sometimes be where they're going to like beat the heck out of each other, but nobody else better touch their, you know. (laughs) So this is certainly not a, you know, incestuous sibling relationship, but it has that sense of dynamic of they're protective over each other at the same time that they're often at odds. And it's compounded as they grow up in that Yuri does turn out to be gay and definitely is interested in Angelo, but Angelo has no interest at this point in men and is off dating women. And they both know that ultimately they're gonna have to get married. There's sort of this you know, clock running and I guess sort of assume it's gonna be a marriage of convenience once they ultimately get together. But as they get older, they end up in fact, falling for each other. So I really liked it, not just because I love enemies to lovers. Um, I love the dynamic. It's got a little light kink. There's sort of a spanking kink as part of the story. But also I really drew me in from that sense of bond, like the connectedness that the two of them had and the way they always sort of were aware of each other and circling each other, even before they ultimately fall for one another, this sort of intrinsic bond that comes from being fated for one another from birth prior, you know, without having much choice about it. And the way that it then transfers into this big, all-consuming love affair. So I really loved it, totally fell for it. And I thought it was a great sort of fantasy-ish, fairy tale-ish feeling contemporary story. I've been wanting to look at this one. It's been lurking on my TBR for a while because I love royal stories anyway. Oh, yeah. And this one had enough of a pivot on it where I'm like, well, that's really interesting. So it's lurking there. Yeah, it's sort of got, you know, that modern day royal, you know, set in the real world with just the little spin that these countries that aren't real exist in this world. But beyond that, you know, is a real world, you know, real world set up, setting. So mm-hmm. and enemies to lovers is such a fun trope, too. You know, like, like when they start having feelings and then they get mad at each other because (laughs) they have feelings for each other. And that's just so fun. Clash, you know, the setup I think is so fun because there's this clash here where, you know, 
as often with arranged marriages, they have no interest in, Angela specifically has zero sexual interest in Yuri for a very long time, but they know that they are gonna ultimately have no choice but to be together and the way that sort of clash happens. But then Yuri is totally into Angelo from the very beginning and you know how they sort of move past that and how Angelo comes to fall for Yuri even though he's never really seen himself with a man. So has that nice sense of romance to it. Yeah, that sounds great. My next book is another urban fantasy. <laughs> Except this one's young adult. So <laughs> this one's a YA urban fantasy. It's called The Fell of Dark by Caleb Rorig. And it is a story um, about a high school boy, Augie Pfeiffer, who lives in a suburb of Chicago where there happens to be a convergence of ley lines. Well, we all know that when there's a convergence of ley lines, you know what happens. <laughs> there's going to be magic and mayhem going on, right? And it does. So Augie is this kid who, unbeknownst to him, there is a, a prophecy that is causing him to be hunted by various factions. Some of them want to study him. Some of them want to save him and kind of make, you know, make them, make him their you know, not overlord, but kind of worship him, you know, and then some just want him dead. And so he's just a kid who he wants to pass algebra and maybe kiss a boy before he dies, you know, <laughs> but he's got all of this stuff going on. And they, again, this is just another one of those, those books where I thought Caleb Rory did an amazing job with the world building, bringing all of these the kind of the various characters from known characters from, you know, ancient times and whatever, you know, he brought, brings all of these various characters into the story and integrates them into this, the prophecy and into these various groups. This robust cast, again, is just so deeply explored and must have, he must have done, had to have done some research, you know, because he just brought all of this stuff together into this. But it's, again, it's a, it, it, action sequences, the suspense, the tension. And there are two boys who kind of get involved with Augie that he finds that he's attracted to both of them, but they have secrets. And so then he doesn't know who to trust. And so you've got this whole dynamic going on underneath of, you know, he doesn't, again, doesn't know who wants to kill him and who doesn't, and who wants to save him and who can he trust. And so the, just, again, the prose is just super sharp. The dialogue is perfect. And I don't know if this is book one in a series, but he kind of left some cards on the table that if he wanted to tell more stories with Augie, I think he could. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a possibility, but The Fell of Dark by Caleb Roig, more excellent urban fantasy this time with young adult characters, just really well-written, entertaining, just a real page turner. Even more reason for urban fantasy in 2021 for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's your homework, Jeff. By next time we talk, you need to have read at least one new urban fantasy. How's that? All right. By the time we talk at the end of March, that is my task now. I think I think it's 
I think I have a type too. You know, I think, <laughs> I think I have a type now that I think about it. <laughs> so my last one is After Felix by Lily Morton. Um, Lily Morton is on my list every single year. She's on my monthly list every time I read one of her books. This was my favorite of the year, I think, of her books. And one of the reasons I really liked it is because I found the setup really interesting. You know, as with you guys, I read like 250 books a year or something. So I'm always really drawn to things that have a different setup or a different approach to something that's sort of a common trope. So this is the sort of lovers reunited theme. And unlike most books where you pick up sort of after the breakup, but before, before the guys are back together, this story actually has a before and after, and it's laid out right there in the table of contents. So before we have um, Max and Felix who meet sort of thinking they're going to have a one night stand casual hookup that of course ends up turning to more. And one of them is interested in sort of making it more serious and the other doesn't and things fall apart. When you're starting, there's a before and there's an after that something's going to happen partway through the book that's going to sort of shatter this building romance. And then the story picks back up for after when they are reconnecting. And I'm not going to give too much away, but we'll just say that the one that decided to break it off realizes that was a big mistake. But at this point, things have sort of moved on and we see how they figure out how they can sort of come back from this you know, very painful breakup and the way that they change over the course of the story from men who really want something that's only casual to wanting something that's more serious. And it does stand alone really well, but it is part of Morton's close proximity series. So if you've read the other books, we do meet both Felix and Max in earlier books in the series. And so the second half of this book sort of brings us into that timeline where the two of them are sort of present day, I guess you'd say, where the two of them have broken up and then get back together. So as with everything that Morton writes, there's a lot of humor, a lot of banter, great interplay among the characters, but also just a really interesting dynamic to see this relationship, you know, sort of the complete up, the plunge down, and then the back up again, which is a pattern that you don't always get. Like I said, often these books sort of start at the halfway point, and here we get both the good, you know, sort of the good and the bad, and bringing them ultimately back together. I love that book. Nodding, so I'm guessing you read it too. I so agree. I love it. And I, I just, you know, when you were talking about that being, you know, the close proximity series, and I think that of all, you know, of all of her trilogies, of all of, of her series that are, are, are trilogies and these characters get introduced in book one and you get to know them a little more in book two. I think Max and Felix are the couple that I was anticipating mm-hmm. their book more than any other because she introduced them and teased that out and that friction and, you know, Felix's snark and Max just, you know, kind of... <laughs> <laughs> just kind of took it or whatever. I just think that she did such a great job of teasing that relationship out to the point when that book came out, I was so excited to read it. For sure, because we do, like I said, they both appear, I think definitely in the first book, I think they both appear in the second mm-hmm. book as well. And yes. so we see that they're at odds, and but we don't know why. And so it is really well done because you do get that hints of their relationship early on. So you could 
jumping here and get the backstory. But if you've read the other books, it definitely gives you that sense of like, what's going on with them that then you get their full story, which is done really nicely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I love Lily too. I I mean, I, I read every single book she comes out with in like a day, you know, you just can't put them down. They're so, so fun. So fun. Her Christmas book was good this year too. Mary Measure. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that was also excellent. I almost did that for my holiday story, but I knew I was talking about this one, but that's a great, takes place in Amsterdam and great setting, great holiday story. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I want to do this series. I, I Earlier this year, I got through and adored the mixed messages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then these books came out and I'm like, uh, now I want to do these as well. And, and well, we all find them in between. You have to, I mean, you don't have to, right. but you, sh- you should, because there are the, there is a character in after Felix who is in the finding home series too. So you'll kind of get that whole backstory there as well. So there's so. three trilogies that take place in a shared world. And actually some of her standalone books also are in this in world. So you can jump to any of them, but if you read them straight through, like in the Finding Home series, you meet Henry's brother from Mixed Messages and then his brother Silas is the hero of Finding Home. So there's definitely like, you're going to want to read them all. So start with read Finding Home first before you move into this one, because then you'll be reading them in order because okay. you have to read Oz. That to me is my absolute yeah. favorite of hers. So. I loved Oz and Silas. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to read any new books in 2021 because I'm getting all this homework for previous yes. books. Those books, I swear, you'll be, you'll, I mean, you'll be through them in, you know, a week and a half or whatever because they just are so, yeah, they're so charming and funny and clever and snarky and yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I do love her sense of snark. It's so yeah. pitch perfect. Yeah, yeah. My last book of 2020, uh, it's not an urban fantasy <laughs> Let's just start with that. It's a trend. Yeah, it's a historical romance, though, which you you know I also love my historical romances. It is the fifth book in Joanna Chambers' Enlighten, Enlightenment series, Restored. Oh, yes. It was great. Uh, isn't it? Just, it was such a beautiful story. And the characters are older. And so it was kind of nice to see a, a romance between two men in their 40s, as opposed to, you know, your mid-20s typical romance characters. Kit Radford and Henry Asquith, the Duke of Av- Avisbury. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Avisbury. It is the story of a man who is is married and is committed to his wife, but his wife has given him permission to seek relationships outside of their marriage bed. And so Henry goes to a brothel one night and lays eyes on Kit and is immediately taken with him. And he buys Kit's contract in order to have exclusive access to Kit for a year. Well, through throughout their their twice a week, very regimented, Henry has kept himself to the twice a week schedule as a means of kind of keeping a a sense of personal control, but they end up falling very deeply in love in that first seven or eight months of the contract, but neither one of them is bound to admit that, but they are very much in love with each other. And then something happens family-related 
that pulls Henry away. And there are circumstances behind Henry's quick departure that leaves Kit absolutely devastated and heartbroken. And so they are apart for 18 years when Henry comes back and does not obviously find a warm reception at all from Kit, but is willing to do anything and everything to get Kit back and to not necessarily make amends, but, but to kind of repair, restore the relationship that they would have had if Henry had not been pulled away. And so the building again of the lessening of Kit's resentment and the building of his understanding of what Henry was going through and the way Joanna rekindled the romance that that was brewing between them 18 years earlier was just really gorgeous. And again, this was a situation, and I know we've talked about this on multiple occasions in historical romance. It's a, it's a romance between people two people who were at completely opposite ends of the social spectrum and they, you know, they would not have, have worked. I mean, you know, this wouldn't have been a situation where they would have gone to their club and had dinner together as friends in public. The circumstances under which Henry reconnects with Kit is in very different circumstances. He, he is no longer a sex worker and he owns his own business. And so they're starting off already in a place where not socially equal, but they are, are equal in a sense that, that Kit can take care of himself. Now and so it, it just you know the just I don't know I just thought it was amazingly romantic and I just thought Joanna did such a fantastic job of not making it easy for them to come back together. She really uh, these two characters worked to make things to make things right between them and Henry worked so hard to make things right for Kit and kind of as a side story then is the dynamic that's going on within Henry's family and his children and his I think that his son is actually going to get a book in the series as well, maybe the next book in the series. And so it just, it was all just really, it was a really beautifully written, beautifully told historical romance. And sometimes you have to suspend a little bit of disbelief when you're reading historical romances, but this one, it didn't, it just was so just genuinely romantic and just really beautiful. And, and I loved it. So Restored by Joanna Chambers, book five in the Enlightenment series. What I really liked is, and you mentioned this about, not just about them being older, but the sense that this was sort of a true, like, second chance. You know, Henry, now his children are grown, and so that responsibility that he felt to be there with him and take care of them and had to, why he had to leave Kit, you know, is now gone. And suddenly, for the first time in his life, you know, especially as sort of a noble who had a very predetermined path, he's able to live for himself and the first thing that he wants to do when he has this opportunity is go back and reconnect with this you know man that he loved his entire life and couldn't have so right. that sense of it of you know these men sort of embarking on their second stage and as you said kit has made much of his life and he's sort of in his second phase of life and the two of them have now you know are finding a way to come back together after all they've been through for so many years right. Right. Um, yeah, Kit, really interesting. 
kit being being able to be independent and not be reliant upon Henry for, you know, uh, everything basically was it just kind of put them on that evil footing. Mm-hmm. footing. And, and, and there was, some, you know, that you mentioned Henry's children, there was just also a lovely dynamic, just the, the friction between Henry and, and one of his sons that at the end, it, it just was like, I just was like, my God, that's so beautiful. <laughs> it just, yeah. It just, yeah. Really nice I, just, I thought she just did a really lovely job on, on this one. It's probably my favorite of the series. It's probably my favorite. Just, I'll just throw in for folks who haven't read the series. The first three books are a, sort of a trilogy that feature the same characters right. over the course of three books. And then books four and five feature new couples. And this one, although I think there's some maybe minor cameos, this one, the characters are completely Completely standalone. So while I would strongly recommend because the Enlightenment series is fabulous, you could jump in on book five with no problem without having read the original trilogy or the subsequent book or short stories and stuff that are connected. That's good to know. So flashing forward a little bit, Jay, what's something you're looking forward to book-wise in 2021? All right. So lots of things sort of already on my calendar. It's amazing when you start putting those 2021 dates um, on the schedule, but I'm going to call out Click by Nora Phoenix. It's the third book in her White House Men series. And uh, as you may be able to guess from the title, it takes place in and around the White House. So there's a little bit of a West Wing feel, particularly in the first book that features White House staffers. The second book features CIA and I think the FBI and Secret Service. So it's a little more on the law enforcement end. And this book was going to bring us back to the White House with the White House photographer and chief of staff. Both of these characters we've seen in the first two books. So what I'm really enjoying about the series particularly is that the central focus is a bombing during Pride March that happens five years prior to the start of the series. So at least thus far, all of the characters have some connection to the bombing. They were journalists, they were working the parade route, they were in it, they were watching, and they have never found who was behind the bombing. So that investigation is still ongoing and is sort of carrying over as well as some other suspense related things that I don't want to give away that happen in the course of the book. So what's interesting is it's an overarching sort of mystery suspense plot, but each book features different main characters, which is not typical of that style book. Usually you're following the same characters as they investigate the case, you know, from book to book. But in this case, each book features a different couple, but there's this overarching mystery going behind it about who was behind the bombing, who's behind the things that have been happening in the subsequent books, and then sort of overlaid on it is a very sort of West Wing style, you know, sort of young and enthusiastic about government, and I really needed that right now, so especially (laughs) the first book, you know, in some ways it seems almost like unrealistic and idealistic when you think about everything that's been going on, you know, in our own government now, but it's sort of fun to see something that has that look of people who are like really excited about serving their country and working in the White House and how all that plays out. So I'm really excited. Like I said, we've met both of these characters. There's an age gap element to this. There's a, I think, a virgin hero element to this. And 
in addition to this sort of overarching series plot. So I'm really looking forward. I think the series is going to have, I don't know, six, seven, eight books. It sounds like it's planned to be quite a long series, but this is the third. So there's still time to catch those first couple of books um, before this third one comes out. Well, uh, apart from about 47 sequels that I'm looking forward to, I picked Jordan L. Hawk's um, new book, Blind Tiger. I'm so flipping excited and I don't have a release date because I don't think that he has a release date on it yet, but his Hex World series um, is set in the late 19th century New York City. And this is a spinoff of the Hex World City that, that moves, moves ahead to the 1920s. And so it's a Roaring Twenties Hex World spinoff called Blind Tiger. Roaring Twenties. Oh, don't you love that? <laughs> I love that. He's, he's so clever. I just love his, his work. Um, so Blind Tiger by Jordan L. Hawk. I really don't know a whole lot more about it other than it's set in this hex world where there are witches and their familiars and the metropolitan witch police. They, you know, go out and investigate all the manner of paranormal activity and crimes and whatnot. So I have a feeling that it might be set around the Metropolitan Witch Police in the 1920s. That's just a guess. Not going to say 100% for certain, but Blind Tiger, Jordan L. Hawk, he always does such a great job of this, the world building and the, the character building and the overarching, you know, storylines in his series are always just top notch. So that's my pick. I will read every single thing that Jordan ever writes. I love, I love yeah. his work. I've read, I literally have read every single thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I had a year, this was my year of EM Lindsay, I think. Four or five years ago, I had my year of Jordan Hawk, and I think yeah. I read 17 books by him and yeah. me. Yeah. So yeah. At this point, I, I mean, I don't even hesitate. I don't even care what it's about. Anything. I don't even read the blurbs anymore. It's just like, yep, bring it, Jordan. One click. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Blind Tiger, Jordan L. Hawk. Oh, fantastic. As usual, you're no doubt hurting the book budgets of all of our listeners and myself. Between the holiday books and the best of 2020 and, and this little sneak peek into 2021. And now I have homework even for the next time we you get together in 2021. So <laughs> Jay and Lisa, thank you so much as always for being here. It's always such a joy. Thank you for a year sharing wonderful books with us and look forward to continuing it in 2021. It's always a bright spot. Always a bright spot in the year. Yeah. Guys, happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the discussion for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we've talked about. And thanks to Jay and Lisa for coming to talk to us about their favorites from 2020. Hopefully we added some to your TBR list. As always, they added to mine. And they gave, they gave me homework. Couldn't believe they gave me homework. But I will definitely, before they're back here in March, I will definitely check out at least one urban fantasy from their recommendations to read and see if I can get into that genre like they have. I don't know. I'm not down with homework. That's not fun. But it's book homework. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Didn't you like getting the books for the book reports? <laughs> you know, back in the day when you had to read whatever it was. No, I didn't want to read those crappy old moldy books. <laughs> I wanted to read Jackie Collins. 
They wouldn't let you do Jackie Collins for a book report <laughs> no. back in the day. <laughs> no. All right, everyone. I think that'll do it for now. Coming up next in episode 279, that's going to be dropping into your podcast feed this Thursday, we've got some more reviews for you, and we'll also be talking about some of our favorite things from the past year. Come spend a little bit of your New Year's Eve with us and find out what made us happy in 2020. We will see you back here for that on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. To find more shows you'll love, simply go to frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.